It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. guys and welcome to episode number two of the Danny Batten MMA show only on Ace Podcast Nation. I'm your host Sai. Here at Ace Podcast Nation we've got podcast series and shows on all types of subjects. We've regular series on mental health, conspiracy theories, the serial killer files, films and TV, wrestling and of course our weekly football show the Andy Campbell Championship Show which is uh, out every Wednesday focused on the Skybet Championship news and results with former Premier League Championship striker Andy Campbell providing the insight and analysis. We've also got interviews and guests on all ty- all kinds of stuff, including actors, musicians, wrestlers, fighters, doctors, pretty much anything you can think of which is interesting. We, uh, we'll talk about it. You can find all the shows on video format, uh, youtube.com slash Nation, or available in audio downloads, Google Pods, Apple Pods, iHeartRadio, and uh, all your usual podcasting apps. And we also have a popular series, Unscripted and Uncensored, where you'll, uh, you the people, send in the questions, topics for my guest and I to discuss. These shows are always a lot of fun because you never quite know where they're going to go and what we're going to talk about. We've uh, shows coming up with Welsh boxer Cody Davis, former Premier League referee Jeff Winter. And we previously released uh, undisputed, uh, undisputed, unscripted and uncensored shows, including uh, Rodri Giggs, MMA fighter Lee Remedios, Away Day Apparel owner Alan Jones, and of course my co-host for today's show, former Cage Warriors featherweight champion, British MMA legend, Mr. Danny Button. Welcome, buddy. Hey, what's on? Good to see you again. Yeah, back again we are, talking uh, some UFC and some MMA. It was, uh, it was pretty good. Pretty good show overall last night, I thought. Yeah, yeah, and I really enjoyed it. It was an entertaining one. It's always good to see a knockout on the card as well. So we had one of those, didn't we? Oof, yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, he certainly was. And I, I like we, we're only going to discuss really the main cards. We're going to discuss one of the prelim fights. Sure. But, uh, I did say I watched a couple of the prelim fights 
uh, this afternoon. And actually, there were some really good fights on that as well. Um, But yeah, so just before we get into everything, I'm just going to quickly do the sponsor for today's show. So today's show is brought to you by Away Day Apparel. Away Day Apparel is a group of casually obsessed football fans looking to bring something different to the wardrobes of like-minded people. With football, music and weekend carnage high on the agenda, they aim to bring you exclusive products. They're edgy, controversial, but most importantly current. From t-shirts, polos, shorts to hoodies, jackets and accessories. Stick with them and they aim to bring you terrace wear that will turn heads and provide cutting edge that we all crave. Okay. So um, just before we break down the the UFC card, Danny, uh, you were at Cage Warriors last weekend with some of your fighters. Yes. How was, how was that? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, I mean, Jordan was due to fight someone else, but, uh, you know, he had a replacement fight, but this guy was experienced. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it went down quite interestingly. Um, we had to adapt. So a lot of people don't know what really happens in there. Um, you know, they just watch from the outside. But in the very first round, uh, Jordan thought he broke his collarbone. Um, he, he felt the click as he got taken down, or as he did the takedown. And um, we knew something was up. You know, he wasn't letting his hands go quite as much as we know that he can and that he'd been doing in training. Um, so it was nice to see that he adapted and he got around it in other ways. So, you know, when it went to the ground, I take it you've seen the fight as well. Yeah, I've seen yeah. I've seen sort of highlights of it. Yeah. yeah, whenever he went to his back, he really used these foot hooks so it would take it off of the upper body. Um, and he did that really well. He, he did a couple of really good escapes uh, to turn and come out up, back up on top. So the nice thing about what I saw from Jordan's game well, was he's shown a little bit of maturity um, to adapt and change the circumstance. And, and, and in that case, you know, he, he knew something was perhaps wrong up towards his shoulder. And he adapted his own really well to, to still get through it and still pull off that win. So that guy was no slouch. You know, that guy, that mm. guy comes to win every time. I know it's short notice for the guy. Um, we kind of made it a bit difficult for Jordan too, in being that uh, you know he had to take it at a catch weight because he come off of his wake up thinking there was no fight going to be. Um, then this fight did come up, so in a kind of weird conundrum, it ended up being a bit of a short notice affair for Jordan too. But hey, you know he pulled off a really great uh, decision win, and um, we're just going to move him on forward now. He's he's on that Cage Warriors promotion, and that's a great one to be because you know where they go after. They get to the top yeah, now. Yeah, really, yeah. really just going to make it to the top as well. Yeah, you can see he's a very, uh, really talented guy. And I mean, I always think with um, short notice fights, sometimes it can be harder for the the person who was preparing to fight. Yeah. Partially because they're preparing to fight someone else, but yeah. also because the other person has got nothing to lose. Because mm-hmm. you know, if they lose. They weren't due to fight. They've stepped in at the last minute. Sure. So I, I always think that that's quite a dangerous fight to have. Yeah. Um, so and to you know to 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 pick up an injury early on as well, and then yeah. still could be you know still be able to come through it. it yeah. Says a lot. It says a lot about him mentally as well as you know physically and technically. Yeah. Uh, we know this kid's tough. Um, you know, in one of his previous fights, you know, he went back to the corner saying, "Oh, I felt something go in my hand," and he, he had broke his hand. And that's why he thought he'd done his collarbone because he said he felt the same type of click that he felt mm. in his in his hand. He felt that up in his collarbone, thinking, "Oh my goodness, you know, feels like something's gone." And uh, but you know, luckily it wasn't the case. Um, you know, he's having to just do drilling of techniques. You know, so he is a little sore from the fight, but uh, there's no long time uh, long term issue there with it. So yeah, he, he's he's 
back training and we'll step it up slowly and uh, we'll be looking for another fight for him. Excellent. So um, another one of your fighters, Tom uh, Tom Mearns, has got a fight coming up in Bellator soon, That's I right. think, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, um, Jeremy Petley is fighting. Yeah, that should be a good fight for him. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this guy's experienced. I think his record's 12-8-1, so... Yeah, he's not quite classed as a journeyman. He's, he's more dangerous than that. But this is going to be a good one. I think it's a really good um, step up after that horrendous injury that Tom Mearns had and um, his other Bellator outing. He's obviously had that fight on cage where he's got the win, um, had to blow away some cobwebs. Um, yeah, his training's been going really, really well. He's looking in good shape. Definitely up for up for the fight. He's just that type of character. Um I can't wait to see him get in there and see how he performs. Now he's shaken off a little bit of that rust and got more confident with that arm that was obviously, you know, mentally challenging for anyone to get over. Um, and obviously having issues with his ankle as well, which you know, some people didn't know. But um, if you saw the fight and saw what he had said in his interview, you know, uh, the ankle was in a bad, bad way, really. Um, I think if the if the medics knew how bad his ankle was, they probably would have never let him fight. But that just goes to show about his character. You know, he got in there and still pulled off that win. Yeah, I think anytime you you like dislocate a bone or break a bone in that fashion, and you know, let's let's not beat around the bush. It was brutal and gruesome. Um, I think the biggest part, not the biggest part of the battle, because obviously the biggest part of the battle is like the physical side of it. But a big part of it is coming back mentally, yeah. Um, because particularly if you get like an early, you know, like a kick or a, something on it in your first fight back or your first training sessions back, it's going to take a while to get just get your head around it and get used to fighting again. And yeah, you know, he he was out for a good few months with that injury, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he actually had to come completely away from training altogether. Um, we had some issues as well um you know well, he had many issues going on in his life with, with uh, you know girlfriends that become exes and moving back to his mum's house and there was a lot of turmoil not being happy at his work there was a lot of things you know i don't want to get too private about yeah, yeah. these things but this kid had to deal with a lot of stuff and it caused some frictions between me and him as well and i've known him since he was 15 so we go you know, go back he's kind of like a, a little brother to me Mm. Um, and to go through our, our difficulties the way we did was was not a comfortable situation. But we've overcome it all. He's overcome those injuries. Um, we try not to look back on those things yeah, yeah. and learn from them. Um, yeah, we're just looking to go forward. Yeah, he looked uh, looked looked good in his uh, in his Cage Warriors fight. So uh, and obviously that fight where he got injured was that his first Bellator fight? That's right, it was. Yeah, so that was like obviously yeah. a big. Big, you know, yeah. a big, big fight for him as well. So I'm, I would imagine he's uh, he's itching to get back in that. Sure, sure, yeah. I, I think surroundings. he would love to fight that guy again. Uh, I think, um, you know, because it was, you know, I would say, you know, Tom was edging that fight. I was really, really mm. confident. Yeah, exactly. the fight was, you know, playing itself out. I felt confident Tom was going to get that win. And I feel if he faces him again, he'll, he'll still win. Um, you know, actually, on that note of that, Mike Kiondo, isn't it? I think I'm pronouncing that name right. I think, you know, in terms of, of Jordan being on that Cage Warriors promotion, I think perhaps that'll be a good one if that's possible to ever happen. Because um, yeah. I know one of the things that you, you put as a question to me when we was uh, texting and stuff was, you know, what next for Jordan? Mm. Um, he was down to fight that, fight that monarch, wasn't he? But yeah. monarch's sort of lower in the rankings now, and I think Jordan's ranked something like the twentieth now in the rankings as a featherweight. So I think either Dean Truman, who I think still fights under the Cage Warriors promotion, that perhaps would be a good way to go. 
Um, or if you can drive someone like that, Mike Akiando in, that would be great if that, that match could ever happen. Because um, I think he's something like seven and one, and Jordan's five and one. Mm, so that yeah, that could be a good fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay, right. Let's get into the uh, the UFC from last Let's night, New York City. Yeah. And uh, it was very very exciting to watch. There wasn't many. Oh, I don't think that. To be fair, I don't think there was any duds. It was. Uh, they all had various different things which were very interesting about them. Sure. Um, we're going to focus mainly on the main card, but I just wanted to touch on um, the the main event of the prelims, which was uh, Corey, Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker. Yes. Uh, obviously, Johnny Walker's very highly touted. Even, you know, he's been touted by media and people within you know, the UFC as potentially being the one to take John Jones's crown. Right. Uh, and it just goes to show that in fighting, reputations don't mean anything. Because... No. Uh, he got yeah. steamrolled. Yeah, he did. And, and this can happen. I mean, once you start getting into those weight brackets, you know, just getting hit by one shot can be a slippery slope of your way to being finished. And, and that's what we witnessed with that fight. It, it didn't go very far into the round. He got tagged and the guy just kept going. He, you know, this guy tasted blood and he went at him. And it was, a, you know, a pretty impressive performance, really, you know, the way he uh, just kept cracking down on him. And, yeah, good. I yeah. thought he was very patient, uh, Corey yeah. Anderson. Once he uh, floored him, he yeah. just waited and let him get back up and tagged yeah. him again. Yeah, it was interesting you know, what he said um, when he was interviewed straight after. You know, He was saying that he's seen that he's been cracked by that right-hand shot several times You know, in, in his previous fights and stuff. So he was waiting to find a home for it, and indeed he did find it. I, I've got to say, you know, I did feel that, that Johnny Walker, you know, he, he was really letting his hands... Go wayward to the side, and uh, yeah, that, that's always a you know, it's always going to play risks against a powerful dude or in that weight division. And anyone's going to be powerful when they land on the button. Um, yeah, the, the guy got set up, didn't he? You know, he cracked on that right hand shot, yeah. it all went from there. I um, I wondered when I was watching it, and I followed like Johnny Walker over his last couple of fights, and I wondered whether it was almost a case of him believe in his own hype a bit just simply because he had his hands so low he seems yeah. really lax and i know he's like you know he's got quite a relaxed demeanor about him anyway i understand that and that's part of his personality but he just seemed as if he his demeanor to me seemed like he felt like he just needed to turn up and he would yeah. do his thing and that would be it and i just think you know like you say in that weight class you can't do that because you know, Corey Anderson's very, very experienced and yeah. he's dangerous. And uh, I think he was, you could tell by when, after he'd not, you know, after he'd finished, by his reaction that he felt disrespected in the run up to the fight, that everyone had kind of written him off as having no cho- uh, no chance. Yeah. And, you know? Yeah, 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 he did. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether I was in full agreement with the way he re- reacted afterwards. No, no. But obviously, you know, he's just doing exactly what you said, expressing some of the frustrations perhaps leading up to this. And um, and I absolutely agree with you. I, I I even said as I was watching it, I'm like, oh, it looks like he's being a bit overconfident. I, I don't like his hands being down by his side like that as we were, we were watching the, the, the fights. And, uh, and I, I didn't, didn't like it from the get-go. And it played out exactly to my worries for him. Um, the hands were low. It was too confident, too mm. confident. 
the um, I mean, no disrespect. He's fought uh, Roundtree, Ledet, Shirkinoff, but Corey Anderson is, I think, the first real challenge for him in yeah. UFC. He's like a step above those other three. Yeah. Um, you know, that's not to say they were, you know, they were sort of walkovers by any means. But Corey Anderson, like we say, is a very experienced fighter. He's yeah. a very dangerous fighter. Um, and also, he's got no fear about, well, he had no fear over Johnny Walker's uh, tools and striking. Sure. He was focused on his game plan. And he certainly yeah. had, you know, he put his game plan to to perfect use. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, he's beaten, you know, he took um, Glover to share it to to the distance yeah uh, you know they're they're strong fighters yeah yeah um yeah i think i don't think ufc when they booked this fight were expecting or wanting johnny walker to lose here because well, i feel uh, like they were uh was building build, yeah there was there was there was building someone up um but if you actually think um you know johnny walker hasn't had much cage he'd been finishing people quite quickly um and so when that can happen i think it's easy for the fighter to then not really plan a strategy as he goes into fights banking on that he's going to get some kind of early finish as soon as the opportunity arises but the opportunity was flipped on its head and mm. put on him wasn't it um yeah you know, i think it's so important that fighters stay true to some form of strategy i mean maybe he had one you know we can only say on hit you know i'm guessing terms but yeah, I feel like he went in there with no real game plan other than he was expecting to land one of those big shots and and do what was done to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always wondered. I mean, you'd know more than than me, obviously. Is that when you have a fighter who's on a streak where they're they, you know they're finishing fights within a minute or two? Yeah, and that's you know his, his first three fights in UFC. I think none have gone the distance. They've all been you know KOs or TKOs in short short. Uh, amount of time yeah so i do wonder whether those types of fighters on those streaks stop yeah. having a game plan for their yeah. opponent because they're so confident that they're going to get that big shot or that yeah. you know and in his case he's throwing quite uh elaborate shots as well you know like high kicks and spin kicks and yeah. this type of thing so i wonder whether you know hopefully hopefully he won't fade away now and he'll come back stronger and he'll you know he'll go away and work hard and because he's clearly, he's clearly got talent. So yeah. I'd like to see him come back. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's got an interesting body composition, being as tall as he is. Um, and he's still a young man. So, yeah, he, he, as long as he's got a good team around him and um, he starts stays smart with his approach to the fight game, he will learn from this and he will start to strategize a little bit more and hopefully give his opponents a little bit more respect. Um, yeah, because that was, I think, part of the equation of why he lost you know, that night. So. Yeah, and it was certainly yeah. why yeah Corey Anderson was so frustrated afterwards. You could see that, like yeah. he was almost he was almost pushing the referee out the way, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He, yeah. He wanted to say his piece, but I mean, you know, I suppose as it, you know, he's a professional. He's got a fairly good record. He's been, yeah. you know, he's been fought some decent guys. He's been in the UFC for a while. Yeah, and maybe he felt that he was being written off a bit too easily, yeah. and, and and he proved it as well. That's not yeah, yeah, yeah. He's... So. Uh, He's Go back on. really in the mix and relevant now. So it'll be interesting to see who they match him up with next and mm. see what path they want to take with him now. Yeah, I mean, they've got to find someone for John Jones. Um, and I mean, realistically, I suppose Corey Anderson's there. Um, yeah. 
there's the other guy, and I can't remember his name now off the top of my head. I was thinking about him earlier, and I can't remember his name. Yeah, uh, yeah. We're talking of guys who, uh, who've put themselves right back in the mix. Uh, the first fight on the main card was uh, number 10 racked, uh, ranked Kevin Lee versus number 11 ranked Greg, Gregor Gillespie. Yes. And uh, wow, I really, really enjoyed Kevin Lee in this fight because I felt like this is the best I've seen him since the Tony Ferguson fight uh, where he had a few injury issues after that and he hasn't yeah. looked the same. Um, this looked like the Kevin Lee of old yes. when everyone yeah. thought he was going to be the guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I, I was impressed as well. Looked really, really sharp. He lowered his base a little bit as well. Um, you know, he come out, you know, really low. And I observed that straight away. And obviously, because this guy, other guys, this Gillespie is a very good wrestler. Um, yeah, but he, he sunk really low. But he, he was still finding really good range with his shots. And, um, you know, uh, I think he felt out a little bit of a shoot on the other guy's leg as well, just to give him other things to, to, to think about. Um, I, I just thought it was just a great all-round fight. I, I haven't seen him look that sharp and composed. I think sometimes he's a little bit uneconomical with his energy levels and uh, puts a lot in in areas where he, he didn't need to, but he was just holding back, holding back and, and strategizing every element of his combinations. And I really feel like he set him up with, with that little combination that led to the demise of Galepsi. It, it was beautiful to see. Yeah, and I mean... Like you just mentioned there with the Gillespie, he is a top level wrestler. He, yeah. Um, I think I was reading that the only reason he's basically not in the Olympic team or wasn't in the Olympic team is because the guy in front of him is so good. Right. Um, he like he's um I can't forget he's but he's like a Division One N yeah. CCA or whatever NCA sure. wrestler. Yeah. You know, he's really, really, really would have been easy for, you know, with Kevin Lee being in the kind of form that he's been in since that Ferguson fight, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been surprised to see him get taken down and, and just wrestled and dominated yeah. by Greg Gillespie because of his, you know, how good his wrestling is and because how Kevin Lee had looked in the past yeah. few fights. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're right. He set him up with the, uh, he was attacking him with the jab and the combinations. And then he hits uh Gillespie with a head kick, and he just Gillespie goes stiff as a board. Yeah, and uh, he was gone. Yeah, was, Gillespie uh, was he was overusing his jab. Um, when you watch it, he, he kept pumping at that jab, and it was kind of effective at first. But he just kept doing it and kept doing it. And the thing is, when he was doing that, his right hand was drifting down doing the jab because as he kept using it so often, you know, Kevin Lee was getting accustomed to it range wise. And so Gillespie would have and to stretch it that little bit more. When you start to stretch your jab like that, you have to balance yourself because you start leaning a little. He wasn't bringing his feet in with it. Because he was leaning a little bit, it was making that hand drop a little bit. Um, and then that become a reaction. If you look back in the fight and, and slow everything down, that, that hand come down quite regular defensively as well as when he was attacking. And I think he made a little play, play off that. The guy done a jab, he slipped it, he threw a right hand over and then come up with that left lead kick. And it, it was a lovely combination. I was really impressed. Yeah, it was real good. I um, I, I, you, I heard you, uh, or you, I, you said, sorry, get my words all muddled up. You said at the start, uh, when we started this fight, about uh, Kevin Lee had a very low, uh, yeah. like low centre of gravity, low stance sure. at the very outset. What would, he ben- what would be the benefits for him for that? 
Like, why would he choose to do that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's doing it so that um, he's setting his hips back. So he, the, the body lock's going to be hard to attain, for one. Um, so he's, the other guy's going to have to shoot for that lead leg. Um, and when, you sh- when you've got your hips back like that and you strip back that lead leg, you're going to have a real hard sprawl if he tries to enter in fully with that shoot. Um, um, he, he did try to shoot in for uh, Kevin Z's leg, which he, he did slip it back if you uh, have a look, and it just wasn't there. And then the combinations that Kevin Lee was throwing, he was throwing every now and then straight rights to the body. And, of course, if someone's like a wrestler trying to look to drop levels and try and come in to try and take those hips or that lead leg, he's going to have to go through the threat of the fact that he could be throwing that right straight to the body. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was an absolute good call to go low down like that. Um, it wouldn't have perhaps been a good strategy if this guy was a wrestler and also a really dangerous striker. Then coming down, because you do take away from yourself a little bit of footwork skill being so yeah. low. Um, but I think he knew he would have it on the feet um, and he could get away with going that little bit lower and still be effective with his striking. And he absolutely showed that. He really, really did. Um, absolute good call, a, a great prep from the team because he's changed team, hasn't he? Yes, yeah. So we have a new, the new team. And I would say they're a little bit more intelligent in terms of uh, camp prep and strategy. Um, but, of course, as much as you can have a good uh, camp prep and a good strategy from the camp, the fighter's still got to go out there and play it out. And it was great to see that um, that he did that. Yeah, definitely. With the, with the kick, which finished it, do you think he was setting him up for that kick? Or do you think that he noticed it within the fight that Gillespie was dropping his right hand uh, where he was stretching from the jab and, uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, was looking for it from there? Or do you think he was looking to set it up from as part I, of a game I, plan from before? No, I don't think it was a game. I think initially the game plan with dropping his stance and things like that, that was all part of the pre-prep. Um, but I think that was something that would have been, you know, brought out to attention by the cornermen and stuff like that. I think they would have uh, adapted their strategy on the job as the fight yeah. was playing out. Um yeah, yeah, it, 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 it seems, I mean, come, come on, with striking, it's a little bit hard. You can't ever predict anything's going to land. You, you throw things out there and have to put a little bit of hope on it, but you put your highest percentages on it by seeing a fault in their guard. And this guy was just letting that right hand of his, that rear hand of his go wayward a little bit. Um, and, and you'd have to think that they spotted that and, and thought, well, let's throw that kick up there in the combination. Um, the guys are going to have a reaction quick enough to do something about it as it comes up. Or, or he's not, and in this case, he just did not. Um, I'm literally just, I'm just watching it play out now. Um, yeah, that the right hand was well low. Um, it was just, it was just not. We all like to see a knockout, don't we? Um, but we just love to yeah. see it set up in a combination like that. Um, one of my students done a very, very similar uh, combination. Um, you know, just to go back to what we were saying, um, this was Richard Burns, Tom Burns, his brother. You know, he won with a, a head kick in a very similar fashion. And then we had a problem with him in his other fights. He ended up having a run of two losses because he kept hunting for the same kick. So um, a little bit of an experience there uh, with my student that, you know, he was hunting for. Let's hope that Kevin Lee don't just keep hunting for that kick now in other fights and let's hope that he carries through a strategy for each opponent, whoever that may be. Yeah, it must be difficult in some ways for all fighters is when you find something which gets you that big KO to not go searching for it yeah in the, you know in the following fights because it's been so effective for you you know in the, in that fight and obviously for, for Kevin Lee he I think he was under pressure coming into this fight to 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 get back to where he was obviously the change of team has helped 
you can see yeah. that just by his is it's just his whole fight strategy and the way he performed tonight was as good yeah. as he's looked in a very long time yeah um, and he's such an exciting fighter and such a talented fighter yeah. that if he can go on a bit of a streak you wouldn't be surprised to see him with some gold you know anytime soon really yeah yeah yeah, I mean, he's making himself relevant again. And um, I think there were doubts to whether he was yep. going to drift out because, you know, he, he just wasn't performing well, uh, you know, consecutively. But this was a great performance. I would like to see how he performs again to have a little bit more confidence on, you know, is he ever going to become a legit contender again? But based on that and based that he performs well again, I certainly think he could be contending again to make waves in that division. Who would you match him up against now? Top your head. Oh my goodness! Uh, who would you play Mike against? Uh, that, that, that's a, a little bit of a difficult one. Um, it's difficult, isn't it? Off the top of your head, yeah. I've, I've I'd have to have a, a bit proper, there. Yeah, I'd have to have a proper look at that uh, that, that top ten ranking and um, have a little look in there. Yeah, because I, I I don't want them jumping him up too crazy high again. You know, this guy's just trying to get himself back confident. So you know, I think he's ranked number. Was he ranked number ten? Yeah, he's number okay. 10 and Gillespie yeah. was number yeah, 11. Yeah, so try, maybe try and give him somebody who's ranked 7 and 8. I'm not too sure who that is off the top of my head. I haven't got those uh, listed. Yeah, I was just, just going to have a quick look then. He's light, yeah. light, uh, was he lightweight or light heavyweight? Yeah, yeah, lightweight. Lightweight. Yeah. So what a, it's such a division, isn't it? That is just so, um, so deep, that division. Yeah. yeah. So I'll just have a quick look. Seeing as I stitched you up with the question, I feel like I should <laughs> list off a couple of names. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. It's like you don't want to shoot him up, you know, too quickly. Don't want to give him someone like Khabib or something like that. You give him uh, someone just above. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you've got McGregor who wants to come back. Yeah, I mean, this is what I did say to you um, on the other podcast. Uh, one of the questions was, you know, what, what do I think for McGregor? And I, I, I would have thought, you know, Kevin Lee versus McGregor would have been a great fight because McGregor's obviously had some, some some bruises to contend with with his results lately, and, and so had Kevin Lee. Um, I think that would have been a great matchup. Um, Kevin Lee's got the power in his hands to, to match Conor McGregor in, in terms of still being dangerous on the feet. And there's those wrestling aspects as well. And up to me, but both of them have got had cardio issues in some of the bouts that have gone into the rounds. So that would have been interesting. I think it just would have been a well-matched affair. And that could still be a legit fight to put on. You know, you know why not? I think that would be a good one for the fans. Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, so you've got just above him is uh, Edson Barbona, Barbosa, uh, yeah. Al, Ali Quinter, Dan Hooker, Paul Felder, Cerrone. Yeah. Uh, Justin Gaethje and then yeah, McGregor. A lot of those guys have all, you know, got had some losses that need to to prove themselves. He's on the way up. Some of them are perhaps locking themselves, slipping down a little bit. Yeah, any of those would be great. They're, they're all great matchups for it, to be honest. And I um, think Dan Hooker would be a good one. I quite fancy that. Yeah, that'd be a good one to watch. But you know, I would like to see perhaps if they build you know Kevin Lee up again, another fight, and get Dan Hooker another fight. And if they're both still winning, then I, I think that would be a really good one. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that Dan Hooker, we've said last time, you know, I'd it's like, I, I think if he performs really good against a, a high ranked guy, and then we're going to know this guy's an absolute real deal. He certainly appears to be. He does, yeah. He looks, he looks special. Yes. But if you'd asked me that a week ago about 
Johnny Walker, I would have probably said, yeah, he looks special. Yeah. Uh, and in the fight game, it well, you know yeah. better than I do. It, it sure. You've got to be on your on the ball and on your game. Yes. Every fight, no yeah. matter who you're fighting. Yeah. Um. So let's move on to the the big boys, the uh, the heavyweights. Yeah. Uh, number five ranked uh, Derek Lewis versus number eight, uh, Blagoy Ivanov. Yes. This I, uh, this I, was brutal. Yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed this fight. Um, you know, some of the heavier weight guys are a bit ploddy, and and some people can be you know find it a little bit more boring because you you don't always get your your, your full spectrum of um, MMA skill sets being displayed. Um, it's not it's technically most beautiful. But I think, you know, Derek Lewis, when he goes on his little rampage, it gets you up out of your seat and it gets exciting for that little bit. And you always wait for those moments, maybe a little bit. Maybe we don't look at it too technically. But every time he went on his little rampages with his uppercuts and that, you just, what well, if he landed any of them clean, it was going to take the guy's head clean off. Um, never managed, unfortunately, to land any of them super, super clean. Um, but, yeah, it was just great. From, from, from the get-go, it was always going to be exciting. I was a little bit surprised how tentative they both were in the very first round. Um, you know, the other guy was backing off a little bit and Derek just wasn't seeming to come forward explosively. Um, you know, maybe just the range didn't feel right from both, but they're big dudes, you know, they've got to come in at the right time, I guess. Um I really enjoyed it. It, it. it got me up out of my seat a couple of times. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's very. You know, Derek Lewis is just one of those guys, and he is where, like, obviously he's beaten some big names. He beat yeah. um, Engano, who was yes. uh, you know on a massive streak. That's right, he was. And um, he just he's one of those guys where he just hits these big shots. But um, I thought Ivanov didn't. You know, he was no slouch. He uh, had a couple of good shots. A couple. Yeah. I think he had. A, couple of trips yeah and, I mean, um, he had fun. a lovely lovely uh like double wrist lock i'm sure it's not called that in mma but in wrestling like a double rest uh double wrist lock while he was on the floor and yes. just for a split second i thought he had him and i thought he was gonna have to tap but yeah he, he, he changed was, the angle didn't he yeah he was technically really flawed in his approach to it and the reason behind that was the the, the position of the guy's elbow it's just a, a kimura a, a figure of four lock that he had on the arm and uh, he had the elbow way, way too high. And the thing is, when the elbow's high, not only do they have flexibility in the arm to resist the submission, but you're also coming off the top of the body and you yeah. lose control of the, the, the hips and the torso. And Derek rightly span out. And again, it instantly got really exciting because this guy has got fantastic judo. I think he was on the, um, the Olympic team, wasn't he, for his country? Okay. So I knew that there's probably possibly going to be some big takedowns on frozen, some kind of ground aspects, but his submission was not, or his submission attempts were just not clinical or tight enough. He just weren't quite executing them properly. And when you make a mistake in executing a submission such as that, where it's pinning the side control as well as trying to go for the submission, he allowed that elbow to go high so the submission wasn't going to quite be there. And it meant he was always going to lose control of the body. And Derek sensed the air, you know, around his torso and was knew he could just spin out each time. He spun out twice from that submission attempt. Yeah, well, and uh, the, the final, uh, the final time where he got to his feet. Yeah, um, you could see it was almost it, it kind of you could see the moment it dawned on him that there, he had enough room to spin out. Yeah, and he exploded onto his feet. But I mean, from Ivanov's point of view, it's a shame because at, at one point he had. The position to to really 
you know execute it yeah. the the submission correctly and he probably yes. would have got the tap because yeah you obviously like for, i'm not an expert in either wrestling judo jujitsu or anything okay. submissions but like just even i can tell by the angle that the arm is at if he gets that technically correct yeah. you're gonna have to tap because your arm's gonna break or your wrist's gonna break so yeah. That, yeah. i felt like that was probably his best chance of winning or finishing the fight mm-hmm. um at any point i didn't really feel like ivanov got closer you know he had a few good shots but yeah. i felt like that was the time where and like you said it got really exciting and i felt like that was the time where he could have perhaps finished lewis yeah but, i actually think the time that he was most dangerous was when he's sitting up the the it's like a double wrist guillotine choke um you know to an untrained eye perhaps perhaps it wouldn't be aware of it It happened really at the end of a round Mm -hmm. um and and i knew that was going in and and derek wasn't responding in the correct way to do anything about defending it he was literally down on his knees and this guy was prepping it up but he just ran out of time to me that was much closer to being putting the fight away than any of those arm submissions he was tempting um you know i'm not saying this guy's any slouch on the ground i'm I'm sure he's he's uh you know he's a handful i'm sure he'd deal with me on the ground being the size Mm -hmm. etc but yeah i I just think that that submission that he went for ended up being the reason why he lost control of derek and maybe it would have been better for him just to keep control keep smothering him and um, just work some ground and pound from there yeah and just take those rounds um but you know when it was on the feet i think he was losing those rounds because of the explosiveness uh, and the visual that derek was putting on him with those uppercuts and and the knees the knees really impressed me with derek but one thing i didn't like about derek's game was uh his kicks i didn't like those um yeah Do you think they come up i thought they they like come across as a bit almost sloppy like a little bit yeah um like a bit soft and a bit lazy yeah but obviously that's not his like his no he's probably feeling out something that he's been playing around with maybe in the gym but um yeah it it didn't look too good he was Mm -hmm. he he looked like he didn't know whether he wanted to throw it or not sometimes yeah strange strange. yeah it was like he was caught in two minds wasn't it yeah to to go um yeah it was the second round i felt like that was ivanov's best round and i actually thought that he probably won that round yeah um and it was right at the end where he had that choke, which you were referring to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he, I think you're right in that. Uh, Lewis was dominating the striking battles, and in the yeah. second round, Ivan Ivanov went for some leg trips and kicks to yeah. try and, you know, break that up and do something different. And when he did get him to the ground, he looked a little bit more dangerous without really, really, really threat. You know, looking like he was gonna sort of dominate him on the ground like you said he didn't really go for like the ground and pound or anything like that but yeah yeah he really he, enjoyable fight i gotta say yeah it was i just think avanoff was not doing anything regards trying to do some damage um you know uh don't come out with not a mark on his face i don't think um yeah. i think Addy tried to use those top position to get some ground and pound off before doing the submission attempts he could have could have had it go his way um you know something that i always teach my students regards doing their takedown I always say, do the takedown, stabilize position first so you can maintain it. Then look to do some ground and pound. It keeps uh, both the crowd happy 
and get some scoring for the takedown. You know, if you do a takedown, don't do nothing with a scramble back up, you're not really going to get much of a score. It's as good as trying an aggressive strike that's out of range. You know, you've got to do something with it. So when you take someone down, consolidate position, get some ground and pound off so it looks like you're trying to do so, rack up some kind of points and damage, and then perhaps try and go for the submission. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And um, so uh, Lewis won by split decision. Yes. Um, I think, do you think that was right, split decision? Um, yeah, I did, for the fact that, you know, it, you know, he'd done the damage. Um, it looked like he was really trying to put the fight away. And I know Evanoff was trying to put the fight away in terms of the submission, but it was very, very weak attempt because I know it was really flawed. He really had an opportunity there. You know, Derek it looked like he didn't really know how to defend it. He was kind of staying there, allowing him to set up that two-on-one on his arm with no real fight. All he did was keep that elbow high. And whether he'd done that even intentionally or not is hard to know because I don't know what kind of level his ground really truly is. But um, was definitely was not trying to put that elbow low. He was allowing it to be high and he was trying to force it through and he took his body weight off and lost control. And I think, you know, just because of that one thing, I think that led to him um, letting those rounds slip away a little bit. But definitely he was close. Um, I think it was just there for the taker on anyone who played the slight bit of strategy. It just—it wasn't a pretty fight, but entertaining, nevertheless. Yeah, it was very entertaining. Yeah. I think, but I think it could have. I, I think it's one of those fights afterwards that both fighters will feel like they could have won or finished. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, could have finished. Like, yeah. like you say, like we said, the uh, Ivanov could have won via submission if he had been a bit more technically correct and a bit yeah. more clinic, clinical, and uh, Lewis could have been a bit more. A, maybe a bit more aggressive with his strikes and a bit more early on found his range a bit sooner and sure yeah but i think with, with Derek loose i feel it's always an issue with this with the cardio i mean uh, this happens with some of the big guys right um you know he does look dangerous but he's looking dangerous maybe once or twice for about five ten seconds of any one round and you know sometimes that's not going to be enough for him uh it would be a nice to see him address more the cardio aspects and the, the strength and conditioning aspects. I'm sure he's strong, but in terms of, you know, being strong and being able to actually be functional with that strength while having the cardio to release that, 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 that big frame of his in any kind of technical way. Um, so yeah, let's, let's see him get fitter, which I think I've heard that he's camper really trying to focus on. So maybe we'll see him becoming more cardio orientated in the next few fights and dangerous more often per round. And that would make a very dangerous Derek Lewis. Absolutely, because um, how often do you see him over the years have a big flurry at the start of a fight, yeah, and then look completely gassed out for the rest of the fight? Yes, yeah. you know, he's seen it time and time again. But That's right. um, in the, in, I thought in this fight he looked dangerous in each round yeah. at certain points, rather yeah. than going all out in the first round and then not doing much in the the latter rounds. I thought he yeah. did look; he had his moments in each each round. Yeah, that's why I was surprised at the beginning of the rounds. You know, uh, Evanoff was really backing off and he looked kind of intimidated a little bit, even though nothing was really coming forth towards him in the beginning. Um, I thought perhaps, you know, I would have liked to have seen Derek actually do what he would have done of old and go for it a little bit in that mm. first round because definitely Evanoff looked really tentative and I think he could have done something a little bit more creative and active at the beginning. But then again, you know, if he perhaps got active so early on, maybe he wouldn't have got to the finish line with regards to that cardio of his. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So uh, next up, we had uh, 
number nine ranked Stephen Thompson versus uh, number fourteen ranked Vincent Luque. This was my favourite fight of the night. I got to uh, say, uh, and you know what, mine too. And before this fight um, come up, once we see them walking out and stuff, um, I was saying, hey, listen, look, this Luca's really special. You know, he's good, and he's got that press close fitness style as well. You know, his kid's fit, tenacious, and he'll come forward with that really tight garden form. I really thought, oh, he could have the style to really, really crowd Stephen Thompson's game. But hey, Stephen Thompson, this guy's obviously experienced, obviously an incredible striker. He adapted and changed as the rounds went on. And, and this was an awesome for one of his best performances I've seen today. And it definitely becomes relevant again. First round was great, though. Um, you know, that Luca was really pressing Thompson back. And I was thinking this is how, how the pattern of the fight was going to go. Um, you know, he'd done some flurries on Thompson, didn't he? Really got him against the fence, made him look really uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, Thompson has his little bit of successes in that first round. You know, he was trying to obviously be trying to be rangy. Uh, but Luca had that really good strategy of attacking uh, Thompson's lead leg, didn't he? Nothing too consequential, but it looked like it was interfering with the range prep for Thompson. And I thought this was a really great strategy. Um, and the first round, I, I would say, went to Luca. And, uh, yeah, I think again, yeah, with Thompson, I always think it's really difficult for fighters to target his front leg because yeah. he switches his stance so yeah. so often, yeah, um, and he's so dangerous with those kicks that obviously the fight fighters want to target his legs because they want to try and take out the power of his kicks. Yeah. But he just switches his stance, and he's he's so tall that his you know his range is superb. I thought this was the the best Stephen Thompson I've seen since before that first, or since the first Woodley fight. Yeah, um, I thought he put on a real clinic. I thought, I tell you what, Luke can take a shot. Oh Jeez. my goodness! Yeah, I mean these shots. kids are these kids are tough, but there's another reason you know why he could take that, and that was his form was very very good and very very tight. Um, yes, Thompson was getting through with some of those shots clean onto his face, but his chin was well tucked. Um, yeah, his face was getting damaged up. But um, they were luckily for him, what landed on his chin. Um, you know, uh, he, he really did keep a tight form, and that was impressive under the barrage that he took in round two and three. So, you know, after that first round, you know, I was thinking that this pattern was going to be set, and Thompson just come out much sharper, using his hands a whole lot more. Of course, we know Thompson as being predominantly a kicker with with with, with some sharp hands, but he really turned up his boxing skills, and and that, it was impressive. He kept landing that left cross hand, didn't he? Uh, it just kept going down the pipe right through his guard. And then we started seeing Luca drift back a little bit. Um, it was obviously beginning to hurt him. And uh, I, I, I liked it. Right? I was really, that was another fight where I was getting up out of my seat a little bit. Like, oh, you know, this, is a, this fight is really on. Yeah, Stephen Thompson is an exciting fighter to watch. Because yeah. he does so many. He didn't do it as much in this fight, but you know, usually he's doing all these different types of kicks, and yeah. he did a, f a few. I thought. Um, so tell me, why, why is Stephen Thompson so awkward for his opponents? Okay. Uh, other than the switching of stances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's not only the switching stance; it's actually what his stance is, which is very side on, and they become very centre line dominant. And when they're using that bouncing game. Yeah, it's very, very hard to read your own range with. So there's both very, very different, um, very, very different strikers. You know, Luca's very, very K1 orientated, uh, orientated. He has very, very formal footwork. 
you know, he, he steps through bit by bit, he shuffles forward, whereas Thompson will, will skip in and jump in. So the attacking approaches were very, very opposite end. Um, but when someone's side on like that, I come from a taekwondo background, and you know, me and my brother you know, competed at a reasonable level. At it. And when you come up against someone leggy and long like that, who was to the side and centre line dominant like that, it's a real worry to come forward because those side kicks, they're, they're really powerful and those back kicks are really powerful. You, you only ever take one to the stomach and if that don't finish and drop you and, and make it game over, it makes you feel that anything else, you know, anything yeah, but attack anything will knock do. you down again. And I think this is what makes him so effective it is the fact that um, it is centre-line dominant. You've got to try and find your way around him. Um, it's almost like you've got to go through some kind of flack to get at him. Um yeah, it's awkward. It's very awkward facing someone like this. What's um, what's more difficult to read as a, an opponent? So, so if you've got someone like Thompson who who skips in, so if you're looking for like that trigger movement for a yeah. kick, a kick or a punch, what's what difficult to read? Someone who sort of skips in like Thompson, or someone who's a bit more sort of uh, fixed like Luca, who's shuffling. Yeah, I mean, they both come with different types of pressure. Uh, and like, with someone like Luca, if he starts getting his way with you, it's just going to feel like he, he, he's on you and gives you no rest. He's, he's also like always invading your space. And, um, you know, that's really not a comfortable thing. You just, you just feel like he's, uh, he, he's just always going to be there. He, he's, he's stepping forward and you've always got to work to keep him away. That's the kind of stylist that, that Luca has. Um, but Thompson's one of those ones that, you know, you, you'd feel unsafe even when he's out of range, you know, because you, you know, whenever he chooses to, he seems to, you know, vanish from one location. Suddenly he's in your location throwing shots. It's it, that, that different type of awkwardness. I mean, all of it results in that you're going to get hit, but it's the, the sense that you get from these two different stylists when you when you spar against them. One of them, they come in and you expect to be hit and you try and cover up and it's, it's pressure orientated like Luca. And the other one is you think you're safe and somebody getting hit with something that you don't see, which is what, what was happening to Luca. And then that in, in turns unnerving. It makes you fight very, very tense. Yeah, I mean, they went into round three, um, one round apiece, um, but Thompson had looked particularly impressive in the second round. Yeah. Um, and what he does very well is he, he changes the angles of where he's coming from. Yeah. Um, he's never, he never seems to be coming, or the attacks never seem to be coming from in front of his yeah. opponent, he seems to, like you say, take that skip slightly to the side or to the left. And because he can go with either foot, he does that weird, um, he does like a weird, weird kick mm. where he kicks off his front foot almost. Yeah. So it looks like it would be completely unexpected. Yeah. Because obviously, if someone's throwing like a high kick, their their weight is off their, or their power is off their base leg, isn't it? And he yeah, seems yeah. to have this weird technique uh, yeah. where he does it for like his weights on his other leg. It's yeah. strange. If you, if you notice from the first round, which obviously didn't go his way, we would agree that the second round did go his way. He, he started really stepping up the pace with the hands and started getting success. Then in that third round, he started opening up with all these diverse kicks. And he would do a centre line dominant kick, then do a round kick up high, say to the head. Um, he just was throwing so many different angles and so many different strikes that Luca didn't know what was going to come, what, where and when. And, and that could become more and more apparent because he was getting kicked off balance as well. Even when he was blocking a kick, he, he didn't know what type of kick he was blocking. He wasn't 
prepping his balance for for the impact of the kick and it was bowling him over um yeah it, it, it was great i mean that's proper high level striking in terms of that traditional striking style um yeah it, it was just it was fantastic i'm just so, so pleased that i see him still be relevant because i've always been a bit of a fan of watching his style i like seeing these more traditional stylists have, have their successes in there um it, it was always good to see there's always a potential highlight reel there i mean do you see some of those kicks that he was pulling off yeah. i mean if any of those hit home clean uh that would have been you know that would have yeah, been a good night shot yeah he did uh i think it was the second round he did that wheel kick which yeah. was uh really really close to landing and like yeah. i say you you connect with one of those and because he's such a high level the kickboxer or taekwondo yeah. with his feet he you know he's he connects with one of those clean and this like you say it's game over yeah um so obviously thompson won uh the result official decision uh by unanimous decision sorry um the right thing that was right 29 oh, 28 yeah 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 absolutely yeah it, the, there's no two ways about it he won the second and third round very very clearly um yeah i had it i had it i uh, i had it sort of around 29 28 myself but the the judges actually scored it two of them scored it 30 26 yeah because i thought it was a bit harsh on luke yeah you say that but that's because of these knockdowns Uh, yeah they they were consequential they knocked him but i think it was more due to that fact it it was it was so dominant um yeah it it was a knockdown aspect i think scored it that way and i I wouldn't have disagreed with that I, i would agree with that personally myself okay yeah I I take your word over mine. Next, right? <laughs> it's just I just do it for fun as I'm watching. Yeah. It. But um, so next up was uh, the return of uh, Dar- Darren Till after a couple of losses. Yes. Versus uh, Kelvin Gastonum. Yeah. Which is no uh, no easy fight for him coming off two losses. Yeah. Uh, very interesting fight. Absolutely was interesting. Uh, you know, I was really excited to watch this one, and you got to give it to Gastonum. I mean, he's He's not big for the division, is he? I mean, he's five foot nine. Um, he, he's not the most muscled of dudes, but um, he, he just seems to manage to to always make good representation of himself in there. Um, but this one it didn't go down how I thought it was going to go. Um, I really thought Gaslin was going to be able to, you know, really make in close fighting of it. But Till showed really, really great strategy. He crowded his work. Um, he was getting a lot of outside success, wasn't he, Till? And every time Gaslam tried to make it an in-pocket affair, which is where I think he's really effective, he clinched him up and just didn't allow him to get off. And this become the theme of the fight. Um, I think Gaslam could have definitely done a lot better than he did. Um, not in terms of his striking, because he had a good game plan put against him from the Till camp um, and having himself smothered. But he was going for the clinch quite a lot. And he was getting Till up against the fence but he did no leg-on-leg attacks. And when I say leg-on-leg attacks, I don't mean knees to the legs or kicks to the legs in that clinch. I, I mean dragging the leg out from the outside or from the inside. And I would have preferred from the outside. If I was in his corner, that's what I would have been called for, calling for. He had great hip control with his arms. He had two up against the fence and two was not making everything correct in terms of his leg positioning uh, for the outside leg trip. You know, his uh, knee was bent. His knee was facing forward. He could have easily got a step behind that leg and had an attempt to drag it out and put him down and start pinching these rounds with the takedowns. But he kept on, you know, lingering around in there, throwing a few knees that weren't really that consequential. Um, 
and, and looking to go maybe with his arms down to the legs on Till, which was allowing Till to explode out. So definitely it was a, a little lack of wrestling dexterity in Gaslam's game, I think led to him being a little bit lost and flustered strategically because uh, he was forced to strike, but his striking game was not able to be get off because of that smother style that Till was putting upon him. It was impressive. Yeah, do you think that Gastelum almost was reliant? He, he wanted to get inside to hit those strikes, Yeah, but Till was obviously stopping him, like you said, with, by smothering it and clinching him yeah. up. But do you think that he should have maybe changed from the... He almost seemed too keen to do that all the time rather than varying up a bit. Yeah, I mean, he just seemed like he had no other strategy to bring yeah. to the table. Um, I think he thought it was go, going to go down a certain way, as did I. I thought it was going to be a great striking affair. I thought it was going to be a case of two trying to stay rangy um, and stay out of the pocket and Gaslam trying to enforce the pocket. And I think they was going to have their own successes in each of those ways. But till whether he planned to do it that way or it's just become a pattern of the fight, every time Gaslin did get into his range, um, he, he was tying him up. And even though Till was not considered a, a great wrestler, he did you know did really well defending the attempts by Gaslin. Although I didn't rate the attempts as anything too high against the fence, I think there was better work to be done by Gaslin. Um, yeah, he he did what he needed to do to stay on the feet predominantly. I mean, I know Gastelum in the last round did get some takedowns, but couldn't keep him down. It was kind of like a little bit too little, too late for him. Maybe if he tried to hit those kind of takedowns from the get-go, it would have been better. But he kept trying to do the same strategy of trying to get in close, trying to let off his hands, which is what he's always been comfortable to do. But he just didn't, didn't change up, did he? No, and until was almost well, he was expecting it obviously beforehand, but it became this pattern of he would every time he gasoline would try and do it, Till would tie him up, yeah, and it just kept on going. It was interesting listening to Darren Till speak afterwards, not yeah. so much in the cage, but I saw an interview with him, you know, where they do the ones afterwards sure. backstage, um, and he said uh, that he was very nervous coming into the fight, he was scared. He said yeah. he had contemplated faking an injury to mm. get out of the fight, right. um, which I think says a lot about uh, the impact his the losses have had on him yeah. um, mentally. Because you don't hear many fighters coming out and being that you know that honest about yeah. um, you know where their heads at. So that I think that explains perhaps why we didn't get the fight that we expected beforehand mm. with sort of till working the strikes from slightly more distance and and Gastelum trying to get in the pocket, like you said. Um, but I thought Till, you know, he comfortably won the fight, I thought. Yeah. Um, I didn't think Gastelum really looked at any point as if he was troubling him, should we no. say. Um, you know, I think he could have if, like you, had, you said, if he had done some better work against the cage, if he had maybe varied up a bit. Yeah. Um, but I thought Till managed the fight very well after the first first couple of minutes where he looked a few, you know a bit nervous, yeah. which obviously it was explained afterwards by him. Um, once he got through that first round, he seemed to settle, mm. and once he settled, he didn't look like it was going any other way. And I thought yeah. he com comfortably won. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, if if Gaston had just had a bit, a little bit better takedown game and maybe got some takedowns into a mix of those rounds, it would have forced Till to strike to, to be more, more active in the striking, opening up the pocket opportunities for Gaston. 
but it didn't happen that way. You know, Till could just carry on hit and smother, hit and smother. And he was hitting him at range. As soon as it come in close, regards Gaslam coming in, he just tied him up, spoiled him, and, and that become the pattern of the fight. Okay, Gaslam changed it up a little bit towards the real end part of that third round, but he was just a little bit, you know, too little too late. He just couldn't couldn't work enough from there to make an impact on that round. Yeah, I think I had I was just looking for my paper. I think I scored this one 30 27 to till. Yeah, but the it was actually given as a split decision. I know a little which bit, which I thought was yeah, strange. a little bit surprised at that. Yeah, can you, expl- really was... can you explain it though? The why? Yeah, the only conclusion I can have of that was you know there wasn't loads of strikes landing, but the ones that were landing were for for, for my side of things seemed to be coming from Teal. None of them hugely consequential, although he marked up uh, Gaslam's leg. But I think where the judges perhaps saw that was the fact that maybe Till had his back up against the fence um, for okay. portions of the round. Um, he wasn't trying to, you know, he wasn't perhaps putting enough effort into having Gaslam there and then exploding off the fence. So he was exploding off the fence back out and open after being against the fence for some time. That's the only conclusion I can have. But you know what it's like with these judges. Sometimes they have a scratch in their heads. Um Mm, yeah, I was less yes, head on that one. I'm a little bit surprised it was a split decision likewise, but that's the only conclusion I can have was that Gaslam had him with his back up against the fence. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those where you just kind of scratch your head. It'd be, I, they um, they mentioned on commentary, I don't know if it was in this fight, I think it was in one of the other fights, that they'd like to see the scores be uh, up on the screen in between rounds and yeah. you know you know what the scores are going into each round. Yeah. Um, and what the ju- you know, what each judge is scoring and whatnot, because yeah. you never hear from the judges afterwards, so you never get an explanation of why they've scored in the way they've scored. Yeah. Do, the, do fighters and camps get that uh, explanation or anything afterwards? Not really. No, we're always so there's left no way to analyze frust- it. No, no, we're always left frustrated. That's bizarre, um, the referees, they're, they're really in the firing line there. You know, every decision they make is is, is there for all to see. Uh, they're, they're known people. People see who these refs are. And so their reps are always on the line to make good decisions. Um, but they're humans, and not, not all the time they make good ones. But they do it from the best of their ability, I'm sure. But mistakes are made. And the better the ref, the less mistakes are made. But with, this, with the judges, they're kind of like not seen. And I think they should be perhaps held a little bit more accountable. Uh, you know, who are they? What are their credentials? Yeah, I would want to know a little bit about that a little bit more. Yeah, and certainly the reasons why they scored it the way they do. I think they should be put under a little bit of pressure. Yeah, and I think, you know, from a fight camp point of view, if, um, you know, you, these days with sports science and all this type of thing, with all sports, is analysis and video and everything is used isn't it to you know analyze fights and break them down and you know like any sport so when you're going through things with your fighters afterwards to you know what went right what went wrong it would be handy if you've had one go to if you had a fight go to the decision to know oh this judge has scored it this way because yeah because you can kind of try and address that in the future fights yeah sure but they they're not held accountable or they're not uh you know it's even if they don't make them public you know on tv but just they send like a thing through to the fight camps to say oh this score this judge scored the fight like this because of this yeah so at least you know from an analysis point of view 
going yeah. forward. But mm. yeah, 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 um, yeah. It's 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 very annoying. It is frustrating, and um, yeah, I mean the, these judges have a lot of power in their hands. You know, they, they make bad judgment. These young athletes that are, you know, really making a lot of sacrifices to try and create the successes that are needed to become financially sound in the sport, which is predominantly what a lot of these fighters are doing, right? And and they're, they're having an impact through their bad decision making on, on judging these fights. You know, so I want to know what their credentials are to score it. Um, for me, it always would make natural sense that judges are always people who have been in the fight game, and uh, it's no good having a boxing. Um, a previous boxing guy um, judge a wrestling match. There's no point having a pure wrestler judge a boxing match. So, you know, what are these? Are these guys just um, proficient in, in just one discipline and don't know how to judge the other aspects of these MMA matches? Are they only judging it because they only know wrestling? Are they only judging it because they only know boxing? I think maybe that's what's happening somewhere down the line. I mean, this is only a presumption because it's, you know, no one really knows much about these judges, right? Do you ever. Do- so do the fighters meet the judges like during the events and like you know the events no. or anything? No. Nothing. No, I mean on the smaller shows you get to know their army. Yeah, we do the shows that are, are just national. I, I've got often know a lot of the people who are doing the judging and the commentating. You know, but like at a Cage Warriors or a yeah, UFC yeah. and Bellator, you don't know. No, but yeah, UFCs and Bellators and things like that. No, you, you know, you you you're not rubbing shoulders with these characters. <laughs> so do you think there would be if they decided, like internationally, uh, MMA right from now on, we want ex fighters, coaches, etc., to become judges to judge fights to get the best, you know, get the scores as good as we can get and as, yeah. a- as accurate as we can get them. Do you think there would be a large amount of fighters and coaches who would like to do it? Oh come on, there's loads of former fighters. And, and, you know, when you retire from fighting, you know, you've got to find other aspects that you want to go into. Well, not all the time. Some people, it depends how wealthy you become from it. Some mm-hmm. people not have to choose to do nothing more. But, it, you know, for, for me, I, I luckily and I'm glad I went into coaching because it, it, it took over from fight, fight career is a really hard thing to replace. You know, it's a real big buzz. It's a real big drive and direction in your life. And um, so for me, coaching definitely fulfilled that that spot. Um and certainly opens up an opportunity for these fighters to do. I think there'll be loads of fighters. There wouldn't be short on having people that would be right for that job. I think that would be a really good call. But look, you know, this sport's really highly regulated in terms of, you know, drug taking and making sure their weight cuts are done right now and, and, and done for safety. Oh, man, come on. Let's, let's get this judging situation sorted too. It shouldn't be that hard. Uh, there's obviously some kind of issue with you know who's in the know with that side of things i'm guessing and there's people who are doing it and they're not moving from that position well i am um, like obviously over the last couple i think what i wonder is whether these judges fully understand all the rules and the rule changes and this type of thing because how often over the last few years say for instance have we seen cards and scores which don't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. And it's frustrating. Like, I, for the life of me, can't really make much sense of that being a split decision with the Darren Till. Mm. I, I take in, you know, like what you say about him being against the cage. But, but you know, to me and to everyone who I saw on social media and people I speak to all said the same. 
it was yeah. clearly till most yeah. people I spoke to had it at like 30, 27. Yeah, I mean, I was grabbing at short straws to try and come up with an explanation on why judges would have done it as a split decision. Uh, I, I'm, I'm as baffled as you are and, and as frustrated as well because I did find it frustrating. But he'd not only scored a round, uh, uh, one of them scored it for uh, Gastelum, they scored it 30 27 to Gastelum. Yeah, yeah. So it's I, like, how do you come so... up? I mean, I just don't know. Yeah, it's a weird one, that one. Yeah. So, uh, main event of the evening was the uh, BMF Championship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is, what do you think of that as a traditional MMA fighter? Yeah, I, I don't want them to go down a route where it makes it all a little, a little bit less serious. I think it's a, a fun thing to do um, as a, maybe a one-off thing. But, you know, it opens it up then, you know, is it going to happen in every weight division? And then, mm. you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's a good thing to make a habit of. Uh, this one-off thing, type of thing, okay, this is great. You know, the, the sport is entertainment after all, but let's not make it a joke either. Um, so uh, I'm a fan of it in terms that it got this fight, the attention that, you know, that, it, that it deserved. But I just hope they don't go into a habit of creating a secondary-type belt to go for within the UFC. I think you know, the UFC belt in each of those weight divisions should be the, the end-all and be-all of what they're aiming for. And to put up these other type of belts is a bit, yeah. It's a bit WWE. Yeah, it, it becomes less serious to me. And, yeah. Sorry. The thing is, is, in boxing, the reason all the belts don't mean as much is because there's so many of them. Yeah. Um, whereas if you've got one belt for each weight class, that's the very top of the tree. That's yeah. the pinnacle of your division. Yes. So that's what you're aiming for. If you start bringing in these other t- titles, I think it dilutes it down and it makes yeah. it less important. Yeah. Um, and I don't want that to happen. Yeah. But here we are. We've got it. And uh, I'm glad we had it purely to see these two fight. Yeah. Um, we had uh, number three ranked George Masvidal versus number seven ranked Nate, Nate Diaz. Yeah. And uh, very interesting fight. So let's talk about the fight before we talk about the the ending. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I was super excited as we all were about this fight. Um, you know, when people were asking me my thoughts on how I thought it was going to play out, um, my money was on Nate. And uh, my reasons were, and uh, my forecast for how the fight was going to go was this. Uh, Masvidal to be explosive and accurate and, and, um, in the first two to three rounds. Um, and, and, and look at the way that first round went. I mean, he really was explosive. And Nate is a little bit of a slow starter. Nate's a real marathon runner in terms of MMA. So five rounds is always going to be where you're going to see him at his best. Um, and, and, and in that first round, I knew it was going to be dangerous for him. You know, I think Conor McGregor put him on his ass, didn't he, in, in the first mm. round as well. But he's so durable and so fit um, that you you just always have the hopes that he's just going to endure this and come on strong in those championship rounds. Um, to me, he was never going to beat Masvidal in three-round fight. Um, but I knew this was the five, and, and I was so excited. So, yeah, he got knocked down. He got cut really early. And I was, perhaps we always a little bit stunned how overwhelmingly dominant he was. I knew it was going to go in his favour regards the first and second round, but perhaps not 
as convincing as he was. It, it was like, wow, is Nate going to get put out of there early? But they endured it. But uh, Masterful's kicks as well. I mean, they, they were precision. They were with everything that he had behind it, super sharp, super precise. I don't know whether I'm more impressed with the striking ability of Masterful and his power and crispness and, and precision or the fact that Nate Diaz just took it all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I got to say, about halfway through the first round, I thought Nate, you thought he was going to finish him, and I, yeah. I was then I was thinking, I was racking my brain as I'm watching it, thinking, has Nate Diaz ever been finished in the first round? Have I seen any? And I was trying to rack my brain to see yeah. if I, because I, I could never remember anyone dominating him like that, and yeah. like not just dominating him by clipping him, like put him on his ass. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, but I'll tell you one thing. Do you know what I thought looked more brutal than any other shots he took to the head and face? Mm-hmm. And even the one that cut him was the the body shots. Yeah. In slow motion. The couple yeah. of those uh, kicks and punches to the rib area and the liver. Oh, yeah. they yeah. looked brutal. Yeah, there was everything beyond that. were technically very, very correct style punches and with a lot of uh, velocity behind them. Um, really good. I mean... Mazdafo's looking better and better, isn't he? He's looking really, like, legit up there. Um, but he's in a... All the divisions are kind of stacked, I guess you would say. But he's in a really stacked division. So it's going to be great fights uh, that he's going to be in. Um, who they're going to pick him up against, God only knows. But it's going to be good. It's going to be good. But, you know, the, the, the second round, you know, so each round that went by, it becomes... You know, very slightly less dominant in, in that first round, he was a lot of knockdown. It looked, looked really like, was he going to get through it? Second round, yeah, Nate was losing again, and you know, very, very similar to first, but not quite. You know, it never looked like, oh, you know, is Nate going to survive? I felt like Nate was always hanging in there quite well. Um, and and same for the third round, really. I just noticed that Masavil's pace was just like dripping off a little bit. Now, whether he was just trying to be conservative for those five rounds, which I suspect maybe what he was, I wasn't in case of that he was getting tired. I think he was putting things in reserve because he knows where Nate is strong. Um, and, you know, if I was going to be forced to predict what would have happened if it did happen, the fourth and fifth, I think Masavil would have... Um, still won, perhaps won those rounds, but less convincingly. And I think Nate would have had his moments. And what I really wanted to see was how Mustafa would have handled having it put on him. Because I think there would have been moments in the fourth or fifth round where it was going to be put on him. You know, how would have he held up? But I think it would have made... Um, that, that was really what was going to be the entertaining part of the fight was round four and five. And it's such a shame that they never got to, got to do it. Yeah, I mean, we we discussed briefly off off air before we started that you know exactly that Diaz was waiting for the not waiting, but that's probably the wrong you know terminology. He he's strongest. He comes into his own in those fourth and fifth rounds. Yeah. But Masvidal no knew that as well. But equally, uh, Nate Diaz knew, like everyone did, that he was three rounds down. Yeah. He would have had to have come out swinging. And he'd have had to try and finish yeah. Masvidal to win the fight. Yes. Um, now, I got to say, I thought Masvidal was incredible. I just thought he was he was super dominant. You're right. With each round, he was slightly less dominant, but still won the rounds comfortably. Yeah. Um, the one thing, so right, so the fight got gets stopped as the doctor waves it off at the end of round three between rounds three and four. 
because yeah. the the cut um which Nate had on his eyebrow I'm assuming that was the one but he had one huge one on his eyebrow and one just under his eye yeah which made like a almost like a full circle but one thing which I noticed in round three was Diaz, uh, Diaz was constantly wiping blood out of his eye yeah and I was thinking because I knew the result oh I knew how the fight had finished when I was watching it right um because my friend texted me which is always really <laughs> annoying but there we go um and so so I, I watched it knowing that mm. people were a bit annoyed and a bit pissed yeah. off because it had been stopped the way it had yeah and then i was looking at it knowing that and i was thinking well i can kind of see why they stopped it because he's wiping the blood out of his eye which yeah. is you know he's like masvidal wasn't attacking him while he was doing it yeah but he was focused on like wiping the blood out of his eye yeah. rather than you know yeah okay well but, you know you know i don't want to say i'm, I'm always disagreeing with you but no, I no, I like it's good. You know, he wasn't wiping his eye when he, when he was under a barrage of strikes yeah. or anything you know so it wasn't troubling him when the pressure was on he was out of range and he would give it a wipe to clear it um mm. so to me that showed that he was in control of any of that blood running down it, it wasn't running down constantly where when Masavo was coming in, he was trying to wipe it while the, the heat was on. He never looked like he was blinded no. in any way. You know, Masavo was just landing those strikes because he's damn good and damn explosive and tenacious and and, 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 and confident. That's that why the strikes were landing. They was not landing anymore. And in fact, they was landing less as the rounds go on like we spoke about. Um, you know, had there been a real issue there regards his vision, he would have been getting lumped up even more. Um, but that just wasn't the case. And, yeah, it was a nasty cut. But we've seen Nate with worse cuts, cuts than that where the fight was carrying on. I would have, I just should have let it carry on in my eyes. So, oh, absolutely. I know they're there to protect the fight, and, and I'm all for fighter safety. But, you know, he's got a lot of scar tissue up there. This is not going to be consequential to any of these other fights in, in terms of his health. You know, they could have let that carry on, in my personal mind. And maybe it's just because I'm a fan I wanted to see that round four and five because I was really enjoying the fight. But like I say, there's a little bit of inconsistency there. See, there there's been much worse cuts where the fights have been carrying on. And, and, and to stop it on such a such a great fight and such a good matchup was a little bit of a shame for me. Yeah, it was an anticlimax. And like I'd understood, I'd have understood more if in round three, if round three had gone like round one, where he was being dominated and he had been knocked on his ass a couple yeah. of times, then, yeah, okay, I can kind of understand that a bit more. But he mm. was fine. He was coming into the fight more. He yeah. was, like, he was completely aware of everything. He wasn't sort of groggy or drowsy. He wasn't wobbly. He was completely fine within himself. He was saying he was fine. Yeah. And, and he was coming into the fight. Yeah. Now, and like you said, and they mentioned on the, on the the broadcast is he's got a lot of scar tissue around that eye, yeah. Which means if he gets that's why he always bleeds from that area, yeah. Um, and equally, if when you compare it to, so I saw a picture today on Twitter of uh, side by side uh, Nate Diaz after he'd been patched up or waiting to be patched up, but it'd been cleaned, and Tyson Fury. Right. next to each other from the, his last fight where he had that huge cut. Yeah. And Tyson Fury's cut is much, 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 much worse. 
Yeah. Much worse, much deeper, much yeah. nastier. And he's got a lot more damage to his face, you know, uh, bruises and this and that. Now, you can't tell me that like a 12-round boxing match, and he fought a good portion of the 12 rounds with that cut. Yeah. You can't tell me that that's more dangerous. Uh, you know, one one was allowed to slide and one wasn't. Yeah. And I just feel, feel like with Diaz, there was... Like you say, all for fight safety and making sure we don't have anything tragic happen, etc., yeah. etc. Et but I felt like it was, it was. I don't want to say that it felt like the doctor was almost wanting to be the center of attention. Yeah. But I felt like the doctor wanted to be the center you know, of attention. I said, exactly, I said exactly the same thing. I, I, like my son was sat with me. He's like, oh, what, you know, why is this happening? I'm like, well, it, you know. The doctor is his time to shine. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. gave some kind of importance to be there, but it probably won't be the case. You know, that's that's not just seems not like presume it. doctors are there just to have their moment of fame uh, to to stop this fight. But you know, he obviously stopped it because he felt that he should. Yeah. Um, but you know, one doctor over another, you know, another doctor probably wouldn't have stopped it. And and this goes down to the judging again. You know, there's such a big inconsistency, and it's really frustrating. But let's look at a positive spin on this. The fight was stopped by Dr. Robert. Even Mazdabro, you see him put his arms up like, why has it been yeah. stopped? You know, he didn't want it to stop. He really was, I think he was enjoying the fight. Yeah. And um, I think he wanted to see what he has to offer for the round mm -hmm. four and five. I think he was wanting to stop Diaz. And uh, that would have really, would have been something for Mazdabro. I think he really wanted to, to, to pull him away. Um, what a statement that would be as well. Yeah, it would have been. But the positive aspects for it is that this is potentially going to happen again. And I think it should. Yeah, so we we got a couple of questions about that, so we'll get on to them now. Yeah, um, I yeah, I've got to, just to finish off on that. I've, it was disappointing to end a really fun show and a really entertaining show in that way. Yeah, um, to be like a doctor stoppage, and we have seen so many worse cuts and injuries in MMA and fights continue. You know, we've seen fighters continue. You know do break a hand in round one and still be fighting in round three. Yeah. You know, and not being able to defend themselves on one sure. side of their upper body. But, yeah. 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 But, uh, Jorge, uh, Jorge Mas Masvidal, beast. And uh, absolutely really dominant, yeah. impressive. Yeah. And um, I think I said to you before we started recording, compared to where he was, about a year to 18 months ago looks like a different fighter looks yeah, like an does. absolute machine yeah it's like everything's suddenly really come together for him and I, i'm glad because he's exciting to watch he's good for the sport um you know he's got this real tough brash personality yeah um and, and that's just nothing but good for the sport he's really good he conducted himself really well he was absolutely respectful of the, the warriorship from from nate um, and they're both complimentary of each other, but they still wanted to get their get their fight down at the end of the day, and that, and they will do it again. I really believe that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, just to finish off, we'll uh, have a few questions which have been sent in. You can send questions for Danny each month by tweeting at AceCast underscore Nation. 
use the hashtag Ace Nation Army, or you can send them to facebook.com slash acecastnation or email acenetworkcontact at gmail.com. So, uh, first question was, if you were Dana White, who would you put Darren Till against next? Right, I would put him against Whitaker. Nice fight, yeah, that is. One. It, it, it could, you know, legitimise Whitaker again. And, um, and likewise, if Till pulls that kind of win off, it puts him right up there in that new weight division that he's stepping up into. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah, I think um, Darren Till looked much more comfortable at going up a weight. Yeah, and he still Just... looked bigger at weight. Um, yeah, yeah. Till, Till surprised me, actually. You know, he said you know, immediately after that fight how that, you know, uh, you know, I know I'm not going to be as strong as the guys in this division. You know, I, I don't, don't see that. He was a lot bigger than Gaslam in there. Um, I don't think strength was an issue against Gaslam at all. I think he was the bigger, mm-hmm. stronger man. Um, yeah, I think he looked good at the weight. I looked better at the weight. I, thought, I know the weight cut was really killing him in that other weight division. And so, you know, going up a weight is also going to have to his longevity in the sport if he wants it. I think this is much healthier for him. Yeah, did Joe Rogan say that he walked around at about 200 pounds and, right, he, yeah. and he cut to a 165 previously? Yeah, that's right, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot. That's pretty serious, you know, weight cutting right there. Yeah, it can't be enjoyable to do. <laughs> no, indeed not. Yeah. Uh, so, next up was uh, so, uh, with guys like uh, Tyson Fury and a, uh, Anthony Joshua mentioning MMA fights recently, yeah. is there a boxer who you think? could make the jump to MMA or do you think it's too difficult with all the extra skills and disciplines? Um, I think as long as they, they're, they're young enough to still have time to accumulate the skills needed to be an all-round fighter, um, I think that's always possible with, you know, with these uh, combat sports. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just having the education. They obviously know what it takes to get to the highest of the boxing level, so they would address, likewise, you would think, what needed to be done regards their wrestling and their, their grappling skills. What they, obviously, it's all about strategy, right? They're, they're going to be predominantly boxers. So they need to know how to you know, protect themselves against those leg kicks first because I know that's what other decent strikers will be targeting, that, that foot position. So as long as they can adjust for the new environment, there's no reason why they, they couldn't do. But going there as just boxers, well, they're never, going to, they're never going to get out of one round against any of the fighters. You know, you know, look at that Mayweather and, and uh, Conor McGregor matchup. Uh, that being MMA, uh, Mayweather out one, yeah, he ain't getting out of one round. You know, simple as that. As a pure boxer, it's just not going to happen. You know, we, we all know that. Um, but in terms of you know having time to prep them up, and as long as they give them some form of scale to you know bring their level up in that that new field, yeah, they could. They they could do it in a few years. Why not? And, you know, who, who would I pick for? I'd say, you know, let's, let's put Canelo in there. You know, I, I think he, he could have... Nice. He's a smart man. He's quite big at his weight, so he obviously knows how to do the weight cuts, and etc. I think someone like him, if, if he addressed it for a good two years, he, he could move himself up the ranks and become, you know, a legit force. Why not? I'd like to see that, but I can't see a boxer doing it. For one, there's too much money in the sport of boxing. Yeah. Um, and... Um, yeah, I feel like it would be putting their, their 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 first love sport too much to the test, for which would end up a disappointment. <laughs> because they're, yeah. they're never going to beat an MMA unless they become an MMA themselves. 
they would only have to learn anti-wrestling skills, adapt their stance to deal with the kicks, um, and learn to scramble off the back. They don't have to become a submission expert. They need to just learn to steer the MMA to where they're strong, which is on the feet with their hands. Not, not easy to do when there's so many aspects that can take you out of that boxing realm. But, you know, if they can adapt their game within a two-year period, I think they could become, become legit and, and become a force to be reckoned with. But I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> be nice to see, but yeah, yes. you're right. I don't think it would happen. Although, Absolutely. you mentioned the money in uh, boxing. I did a show with um, Paddy Pimblett a couple of weeks back. Yes. And um, he uh, he had a little, I wouldn't say a rant, but he had a, some things to say about uh, the money in boxing and the money in MMA. And the, obviously, you know, there's a massive difference. Yeah. Um, and I was surprised to learn that the UFC, if you've, like, got a fight camp, they only fly out one member of your team. That's right. Um, yeah. I think that is extraordinary. Yeah. Because you have to have your team out there with you. Yes. To, to you know, to do your fight and whatnot. Yeah. For a company that size, which makes that much money, to not, you know, pay for your team to come with you. I think is extraordinary, and I was shocked. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm absolutely shocked with it. And, and to give you an example of what, you know, perhaps what people don't realise, um, you know, a corner for Linton predominantly for most of his fights. Not everyone he fights sometimes don't suit regards to the calendar, and I can't make it for whatever reason. But I always try to be there for him as much as I can. And you know, he predominantly fights stateside. Um, you know, pretty much stays out there training full time now. Um, so when he wants me to go out in that corner. Um, he has his cornerman from the camp that he predominantly trains at. Um, and when he drafts me in, he's having to pay for my flight to get all of that out of his phone and fight for us. Um, I, think that, I think that's wrong. I mean, quite, come on, surely his promotions make enough money to be able to pay for two coaches to be out there. But yeah, they indeed only pay for one. Shocking. I really, I wish, um, I, that's my one wish actually for like MMA going forward is that the fighters get the the money that they deserve yeah for, you know putting their life on the health on the line yeah. um you know because not every fighter is conor mcgregor and these big names you know these but the guys on the lower end of the card in the ufc in the cage warriors and wherever they yeah. deserve to get you know paid decently yeah so they yeah. you know they're putting their health on the line they want to make a living of it so make that make a living of it by paying them appropriately yeah sure um, sorry, I got distracted with a tangent there. Um, so just uh, the last couple of questions, or last one, and then I've got one for you, which I yeah. just thought of as we were doing the show. Uh, would you run back uh, Diaz and Masvidal, or would you do Diaz versus Connor 3, assuming Connor wins his return fight in probably January? No, I'd run the Masvidal fight again, because I feel like that's unfinished. Yeah, with what happened with the doctor's office, that's unfinished. And they will both want it as well. It's not like going to be put in question that one of them's going to turn it down. They, they will both want that again. I yeah, think. and the thing, the the thing absolutely. And the thing is as well, is what you can do is say Masvidal wins, you or Diaz wins, whoever, mm. and Connor beats, I do every fights in January, say Cerrone, and he beats him convincingly. convincingly. Yeah. Connor's going to want the winner of Diaz and Masvidal. Yeah. I've got to say, I think Masvidal will brutalize him but that's another thing um connor would want the winner connor would want 
you know, he's already said quite publicly he wants that belt because he sees himself as the yeah. as the baddest. So yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so the so possibilities are endless. Way. Yeah, so so to run it that way and, and get uh, Diaz and Masvidal to to do it again, whoever becomes the winner of that, and let's surmise that Conor McGregor wins his return fight, then you've got a great little storyline there for a fight off. Um, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, let, let's yeah. let's get that on because you know if Diaz does win. Then you you've got kind of a two sided affair for the for that belt and the fact that they get their third and final fight series yeah. the best. That kind of would yeah. 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 Connor said he wants three fights in 2020. He wants right. his return fight with I think it was Cerrone or Pettis or yeah. uh, not Pettis uh, Poirier. Um, he wants Diaz three. Or probably the winner of Diaz Masvidal, yeah. and then finish the year by uh, having a rematch with Khabib. Yeah. Now, if it was any other fighter in the planet, I would say he's probably biting off more than he can chew. Yeah. After the, you know, after years of not doing a lot. Yeah. But if anyone was going to go and do that and win all three fights, it yeah. would probably be him. What yeah. a year! What a year that would be. Yeah. Um... Yeah, he he was very underrated, and everyone thought that each fight that he would take was going to be the demise of him. I mean, he yeah. did end up reaching his his limit and getting his losses, but yeah, he was investing his time and interest into other sports such as the boxing. But um, yeah, if if he starts getting strong runs of wins, and he does adapt and change and advance his game and, and tries to grow as an MMAs, which you would hope that he would be doing, yeah, you can never write this guy off. If he starts getting back his uh, his timing and, and precision, the power's already there. He could start putting people away really quickly again. So there's only one way to find out, and that's to, to get it done. Let's get the fights on. Let's see what he's got. Yeah, I would like to see uh, sometime in the next year or two uh, a fully focused and fit uh, Conor McGregor versus yeah. Khabib because yeah. I do feel that the Khabib fight, he wasn't focused. He wasn't himself. Yeah. And he was so worried about Khabib's wrestling. Yeah. But I feel like <clears throat> I felt like he was pissed in the run up to it as well. Like yeah, I, yeah. I just feel like he didn't take yeah. it seriously. It's hard to know, isn't it? His outside life is always seemed to be full of turmoil and yeah. something's always going on that's putting him in the headlines for negative things, you know, that that, that situation in the bar. Um which ain't doing his character any good and no, you know it's not not helping regards of people being fans of him. Um, there's other issues in his private life as well that's sort of been leaking out. Um, so look, as long as he's got those things sorted, uh, we'll have a fully focused Conor McGregor. And a fully focused Conor McGregor is someone that you can never write off. If he says he's going to do something, it may well happen because you know in the past he's said it and it happened the way he said it was going to happen. So maybe that'll happen again. Yeah. He's uh, he's just one of those guys in and out of the cage that is must his box office. But yeah. you just got to watch it because yeah. it's just it's entertaining. Yeah, yeah. It's a car crash or it's, yeah. He's been know, a big draw. Big... He 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 took MMA to another stage of level of recognition and and attention. Uh, I think he's helped the fighters get paid more. Yeah, um, he's done a lot of good things for the sport. Love him or hate him, he's done. I, I've always been a fan of him. I think he's been great for the sport. He's helped it uh, grow that little bit more. It doesn't carry quite you know, the same clout as he did because he obviously was on a 
incredible unbeaten streak, beating you know, and devastating incredible level guys. In the end of the reign, um, oh, what's the the Brazilian's name? Um, uh, Alda. You know, yeah. he held his ten year. He, he put to bed his ten year reign. I mean, that's impressive, right there. He's he's never looked he the same since he's knocked his in a minute. Yeah, and he literally, uh, you know, and to predict the combination as well, which I think was down to a little bit of, you know, just coincidence, but it made it look even more quirky what this kid says happens. And, um, yeah, if he says it's going to happen, who just to say it ain't going to happen? So, yeah, let's see. See what happens next year. Yeah, get him back in the cage. Yeah. Absolutely. Right then. So, that's us, guys. Uh, Danny, thank you for joining me, mate. I really Always appreciate it. Yeah. And, um you guys can check out Danny's uh, MMA Academy, which is the BST Academy, uh, bstacademy.co.uk. Uh, you can check out uh, this show and all our other shows, our previous show, uh, the interview I did with Paddy the Body Pimblet, and uh, all our various other shows at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation, as well as the audio versions of iHeartRadio, Apple Pods, etc. And uh, check us out on social media as well. Guys, thank you very much for joining us and uh, we will see you for UFC 245 in about a month's time. Cheers, guys. Network.